Our scripture this morning is from Philippians chapter 4, the last passage of Philippians. Philippians 4, 21 to 23 as we come to the end of our study uh, through uh, the book of Philippians. Uh, Several people have asked me, what are we going to do when we finish Philippians? I have prayed about it, I have studied about it, and as of yet, I do not uh, feel any real sense of direction where we ought to go. So hopefully the Lord's not planning on me to change careers this week since they hadn't really let me know what to do next Sunday. Uh, God willing, I'll still be alive uh, and with you. But anyway, we'll think of something. Would you please stand and we read the Word of God together. Philippians 4 and verse 21. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. May God add his richest blessing to the reading of this portion of his holy word. Will you pray with me, please? Again, our Father, we are thankful that you have spoken to us in your word. And we pray that by the power of your spirit, you would come and speak to us now in a way that would open our eyes that we would see our Lord Jesus high and lifted up, that would open our ears, that we would hear the voice of our good shepherd, and and that would open our hearts, that we would receive his word gladly and bring forth the fruit of it in our lives, that we would know him and be drawn closer to him, And offer ourselves to him promptly and sincerely. So bless us and speak to us, we pray, in spite of the inability and sin of the preacher. In Jesus' name, amen. Be seated, please. Saving grace and social graces. And now we come to a passage, the last passage of Philippians, and it's a, a closing of a letter, a standard closing. And, and I don't want to read too much into it. You know, when we're first taught to write letters as children, we sign every letter, love. I think if a seven-year-old had to write a check and mail it to the Internal Revenue Service, he or she, not knowing any better, would enclose it in a note signed, Love, so-and-so. Because that's just how we learn at first to write a letter. But sometimes it can mean more than that. I remember when the woman who would become my wife and I had been dating for a few months, I received a note in the mail from down in West Columbia. We exchanged notes quite a bit back then. But one particular note stands out in my mind. It was the first note either one of us had ever signed, Love. said, Love, Anna. That carried a lot of meaning. So you see a standard conventional greeting can carry a lot of meaning under the right circumstances. And I am confident this morning that this simple closing greeting is loaded with meaning. 
This is the second time we've studied this uh, greeting. Verse 22 was profound enough to warrant its own message. But the whole closing, all three verses, is well worth our attention. In fact, I would submit that these few verses embody the message of Philippians. This passage shows us the connection between what today we're calling saving grace and social graces. And that really is what Philippians has been driving towards all this time. So now let's look at these two points. First, in this passage we see social graces. Social graces. Look at verse 21. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. Again, there's nothing uh, unconventional here. Give my love or give my best to everybody. We say it. uh, We all say it. But Paul really means it. And even more, the Holy Spirit who moves and inspires Paul. He means it. Now, this is what we call social graces. It's simply good manners to pass along greetings. It is good manners to greet people. I am by nature an introverted soul. Although I don't know if you would think of me as an introvert because Pearl was determined to raise me to have some manners in spite of myself. And I remember one occasion, it's been stuck in my mind since I was maybe five or six years old. She had taken me with her, as she always did, on her errands when she went to town. And on this day, I remember it was wintertime because it was cold and it was getting dark in the afternoon. But she had taken me into the old Stasteful drugstore not there anymore, buildings there, the old clock on top of it, but there's no drugstore there anymore, but the pharmacist at the old Stasteful Drug, Mr. Wall, said something to me, and I remember that day, I did not say a word back to him when he spoke to me. And after we walked out of the drugstore and got in the car, Pearl asked me, did I know what oil did? Motor oil. That time in my life, I said, Well, no, not really. She explained to me on my five year old level that oil made everything in the engine to run smooth so it wouldn't break. And she told me that day that when we are polite and speak to people and generally use good manners, that it's like oil that keeps things running smooth between people. That stuck with me. A lecture I got in a 1982 Plymouth Reliant parked on the side of East Broad Street some 30-some-odd years ago in Statesville, North Carolina. I never forgot. Now, Paul here says to greet every saint. Now, the NIV Bible says to greet all God's people. 
Now, Paul generally does say greet all the saints, but the better translation here is not to greet all saints, but greet every saint. Now, in in Greek, the same word is rendered the same for every and all. Word for uh, theological scholars like uh, Jonathan Williams is uh, panta, if you care about that sort of thing. But if he had said, greet all the saints, then saints would have been plural. That would be hagius. But it's not. It's in the singular. Hagion. Now maybe that sounds a bit abstract. Well, let's bring this thing down. Make it concrete. The church at Philippi, as we have seen again and again and again, had division. And Paul has called them to unity again and again. He's called them not to seek their own interests, to consider others ahead of themselves. He has called them to lay some differences aside and work together. And even here we see it in this simple closing greeting. Paul does not say, greet all the people, as in all the people are one big block. No, he says, greet each and every person on a single individual basis. In other words, speak personally and individually to everybody. Whether you like them or not. One of the stars of Gone with the Wind is still living. That was, I believe, the first movie my grandmother Pearl ever saw in a theater. It came out in 1939. I remember my Grandpa John, who was 33 years old at the time, I remember hearing him talk about how amazing it was to go to a theater and see a movie in color for the first time. But anyway, the great actress Olivia... De Havilland, who played Melanie Hamilton Wilkes, for those of you who are old enough, like me, to know, the extremely famous actress of the 1930s and 40s, do you know she is still living? If she lives another month, the 1st of July, she'll be 103 years old. She had a little sister who was also a famous actress at the time. Her name was, at least her stage name, was Joan Fontaine. When they were growing up, their mother favored the older sister, Olivia, over her little sister, Joan. And all their lives, there was tension between these two sisters. Joan went by her mother's maiden name. Fontaine, not a real last name, because her mother told her that if she got famous, she couldn't use her her sister's last name. 
1942, both sisters were nominated for the Oscar for Best Actress. Joan won. When her sister, Olivia, offered her congratulations for her reward, Joan refused to acknowledge her existence. Five years later, Olivia won the Oscar for Best Actress. Backstage, Joan came to congratulate her and Olivia returned the favor from 1942 and turned her back on her sister and walked away without speaking to her. The sisters briefly reconciled but fell out for the last time over disagreements about their mother's medical care in 1975 and never reconciled again. Joan died 38 years later in 2013. And they had not been on speaking terms since 1975 and had hardly been on speaking terms then. How tragic that two sisters would not speak to each other. You know, they're brothers and sisters in the church of Jesus Christ who don't speak to each other. They won't even greet each other in passing. My brothers and sisters, these things ought not to be. Let me pass Pearl's lecture on to you today. This church needs to work as a well-oiled machine. And simple manners, social graces, something as simple as looking someone in the eye, even if they are not your favorite person, and saying a simple Good morning will go a long way to keeping this church well-oiled. You think about Miss Carolyn Bell. Anyone who is sick has a birthday, anniversary, or any event in their lives. Miss Carolyn makes sure they get a card. And she gets as many church members as she can find to sign it. Sometimes Daffy Duck signs it. She does her part to keep this church well old. Social graces. Now secondly, and finally, in this passage, we see saving grace. Look at verse 23. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Before I go, if, if you hadn't been here and wondered why we not look at verse 22 at all, I preached a whole sermon on verse 22 two weeks ago, that's why. 
But here in this last verse, as Paul tells them to greet, to be gracious to each other, he reminds them of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now again, we need to see here that as the great Sinclair Ferguson loves to say, grace is not a thing. Grace is not some object. Grace is the personal disposition of Jesus Christ towards me, a sinner. You know the definition of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. We looked at it three or four weeks ago. I won't ask you to turn again. But Paul defines the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ in 2 Corinthians 8 9. He says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. Jesus Christ, though he was rich, though he was in the form of God, he made himself poor, of no reputation, taking upon him the form of a servant and humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. So that we, through his poverty, might be rich. So through his death, we might have life. So through his blood, we might have our sins forgiven and cleansed so that through His obedience we might be declared righteous. That's the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is His kind, personal disposition towards us. It is His perfect work to save us, His putting us ahead of Himself, making Himself nothing for our eternal and infinite gain. There was division in Philippi. There were brothers and sisters who were not speaking to each other in Philippi. Paul says... In closing, greet every single one in Christ. And the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. You know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Scripture says we're saved by grace. Have you been saved by grace? His 
grace. His personal kind disposition towards you. The only way to have His grace is to be in Christ. Paul says through Him, through Christ, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. We stand in grace in Jesus Christ and Christ alone. And everybody truly saved by grace is in Christ. That's why you see he says in verse 23, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, singular. We are one in Christ by one Holy Spirit. So Paul says, treat people, your brothers and sisters in Christ, like they are in Christ. You treat them the way He has treated you, with grace. And you act like you're in Christ. For He, the Lord Jesus Christ Himself, by the power of the Holy Spirit is the tie that binds His church together. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.